If you could start to bring up the PowerPoint, please. All right. So this morning, we're going to start a series uh, of teaching on the book of Galatians. Um, it is going to be a five-part series um, with this introductory part this morning and four parts, um, lessons, um, for the rest, or for the for the six chapters in the book of Galatians. So we'll start with saying what the theme of the epistle um, to the Galatians is. It's actually um, reads really easily of the book of Galatians. There's there's a, a a very definite flow and some very definite warnings in the book of Galatians, uh, not only to the church of that time, but to our church and to our world today, um, the way that people um, walk and, and, and listen to other people. Um, so the theme to the epistle um, to the Galatians is don't get fooled into following false doctrine, no matter how good or reasonable it sounds. Stick to the full truth of God's word. Um, it's very, very much um, goes into don't follow the Old Testament law of Moses. Um, and that was very pertinent back to the, um, the, the New Testament church, um, especially when you get uh, Jewish zealots um, in the mix. And so it was a problem in the region of Galatia. And as we look a bit at the Galatian churches, uh, we, we kind of realize why that might be a problem and might have been a problem at that time. But that's not just saying, okay, it's the law of Moses, don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, we, we, we can just read that through and say, oh, that's nice, and that was just for then. But it has some very definite um, uh, flow-on effects for us. Um, it's really talking about anything that's not in line with the Word of God um, and the plan that God has in this time and this age. We shouldn't go back to old ways of thinking. We shouldn't look at things that are not in the Word of God. And we shouldn't uh, try to interpret the Word of God in the wrong way. All right. So, who or what is Galatia? Galatia is not a city. And the epistle to the Galatians was written to Galatia. It is not a city. It is not even a region. It's actually a Roman province. Um, the Roman province of Galatia included many regions that are listed in the Bible, uh, many of which are referred to in the book of Acts. Um, Phrygia, um, um, the eastern side of it, was a part of this Roman province, like Ionia, Isioria, Pisidia, and Pamphylia. All of those Roman, or sorry, all of those regions, those areas, in, um, in well, Greater Asia, I, I think you would have to say, is a part of that Roman province. And that Roman province is what the book of Galatians, or the churches in that Roman province is what the book of Galatians was written to. That's the audience of the book. So it wasn't just written to one church, it was written to a region of churches who were all going through similar issues. One thing about Pamphylia 
is that um, there is some discussion as to whether that was part of the Roman province of Galatia at the, at the time of the book of Acts, um, at the time of the writing of Galatians, uh, because it was actually made its own province at some stage during uh, Claudius Caesar and Nero, um, either Nero or Galba, later Roman emperors, to rejoin them back together as one province of Galatia. So there's a little bit of un- unclearness as to as to what was happening. Um, there, there really was a lot of a lot of differences and 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 changing borders. Um, through a lot of the Roman Empire. The background of the Galatian church from a spiritual perspective. We read everything we know about the beginnings and background of the Galatian churches in the book of Acts. The Galatian churches were started in the, uh, in the first missionary journey of Paul. If we can have a look at the next slide, please. So, Paul's first missionary journey went down into Cyprus, um, went with Barnabas, um, took John Mark with them, went to Cyprus, to Salamis, Paphos, and then moved up into Pamphylia, um, which, um, as, as I've just mentioned, could have been a part of Galatia um, or, or not. It's actually separated on this map. Um, went to Perga and then to Antioch in Pisidia, to Lystra, to Derby, and then back through um, uh, exhorting those, those churches. The green um, area is Galatia, um, that Roman province, um, not a small area. And those, are, are four, uh, th- those four churches would have made up the, the greatest part of um, uh, the churches that, that were in that area when Paul wrote the book of Galatians. Next slide, please. So let's, um, let's look at Acts and let's look at how the churches were formed, in what circumstances these churches were formed. Acts chapter 13 and verse 13 starts, Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. So they've, they've gone from that island of Crete and now they've reached um, Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. So the persecution, everything was too much for John Mark and he departed from them. So it was only Paul and Barnabas um, and, and Luke, um, most probably, that went with them at that time. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So Perga was in Pamphylia, we've discussed that, um, and Antioch was in Pisidia, which was a region of Galatia. Verse 15, and after reading, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, you men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand, said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. So the next slide, please. What we have here are a couple of pictures of what Antioch of Pisidia looks like today. It's not exactly a bustling city. 
Um, it's obviously been destroyed in, in one of the wars that, um, um, that, that was against Rome or, or even later. Um, I don't know the, the entire history. But that is what Antioch of Pisidia is, is looking like now. That's uh, a view of the street from the West Gate. In the next slide, please. Um, that is the nymph, Nymphaeum, um, and that's a mon- monument uh, consecrated to the nymphs. So nymphs are just some um, some sort of uh, some sort of uh, uh, female um, goddesses um, that, particularly to do with uh, springs and water, um, that they they that the people worshipped. The thing to know is that most of the areas were given to idolatry in one form or another. Most of the areas were not Jews. Um, They did not have a single focus to worship God, and even they got it wrong many times during their history. So God has put it in us to worship something, and he wants us to worship him, but if we don't worship him, then that's going to be replaced by something else. And so the, you, you, you look around any, any region around the world and you find the idols, you find the, the false gods, you find the, what people had to, to believe in something. They knew that this world could not have happened by accident and so they, they knew that something needed to be worshipped. Something brought it into, into, into place. And so they found something to worship. Some worshipped the sun, the moon, the stars, nature... And others found um, gods of particular parts of nature, um, gods over the harvest, gods over this and that. And so they found something to worship. But when God is not in the mix, then everything goes wrong. Um, I believe also at one stage that there was a cult um, in this city um, to Roman emperors. They basically worshipped Roman emperors. Um, There was, um, if, if I've got my facts right... There was a, a, a very big stadium um, built to as, as, as a shrine in, in this cult um, to worship the Roman emperors because um, they well they considered themselves as gods, um, but they had people um, believing that they were gods as well. And so, and so if, if someone believes someone thing is a god, then they will worship that they believe is a god. Right, next slide, please. So Paul is preaching to the the people in the Jewish synagogue, and after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, "You men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on." This was an invitation that Paul wasn't going to take lying down; he wasn't going to give it up. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. Paul then preached a message to the Jews that ended like this in verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, talking about Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder and perish. 
For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. Interestingly, Paul used very strong language in this message to the Jews about not following the law of Moses, not needing to do that anymore because God had brought in a better way. And preaching against the law of Moses makes up a large portion of Paul's epistle to the Galatians, which we'll look at in the next lesson, or at least part of. Verse 42, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. The Jews weren't receiving it. They walked out in disgust, but the Gentiles had a heart and a mind that was more open to the things of God. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God, the start of the church in Antioch of Pisidia. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Word got around. There was something new. There was something strange that people wanted to listen to. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you to be a light of the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stood up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. So not, not really much time to build a strong church at this time. They preached the word of God. Many, many heard, but the Jews were a thorn in the side of the church. They're obviously very devout in that, in that time and in that place, in that area, in that region. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Next slide, please. So Paul's next stop on this first missionary journey was Iconium, a city in the region of Phrygia, which was still in the province of Galatia, this part of Phrygia. So Iconium is, has turned into modern-day Konya in Turkey, and that is a picture uh, overlooking um, the reasonably large city of Konya. So there's no excavations. Um, it obviously didn't do too badly over the years. Next slide, thank you. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude both of the Jews and also of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. It's quite a, 
quite quite a, a similarity to the events in the in this in these regions, uh, these these parts of Galatia. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware or aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia, and unto the region that lies round about. And there they preached the gospel. Paul's next stops on this first missionary journey was Lystra and Derby, cities in the region of Lycaonia, which was still in the province of Galatia, part of that greater Roman province. Next slide, please. And they sat... A certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked, the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycaonia, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. Next slide, please. Don't have any ruins to show you, um, but this is a obviously an artistic uh, depiction of St. Paul and, and and Barnabas at Lystra, um, where they wanted to um, basically worship them as gods. You can see what the, the mindset of the people of that time and that region were. Anything that was powerful, anything that, that seemed to be supernatural is something that was worthy to be worshipped. And they, they thought that basically um, these were gods come down, um, Paul and, and Barnabas, because of the power and the effect that God was having through their ministry. But Barnabas and Paul put them right. Which, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out, and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. God didn't just cast away people because they didn't worship him. He didn't just cause them all to die off, but he was still gracious and merciful, knowing that um, that there would be some that would turn to him, make that choice. And with these sayings, 
Scarce restrained they their people. They only just stopped them from doing what they wanted to do, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And they came thither, certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, those two troublesome cities, or the Jews in in there were definitely troublesome, who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Next slide, please. Oh, no, sorry. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. So they went back over the same cities once again, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in their faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Italia. Okay, both Perga and Italia were in Pamphylia, a region uh, in Galatia. Italia was a major port for trade between Syria or Egypt and the interior of Asia. So it made sense that they would go there in preparation for making a long ocean voyage back to Antioch. And they sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. So that is Paul's first missionary journey. Paul's second missionary journey um, was also um, very similar in that he went through the region of Galatia very, very quickly as a part of that journey. Paul and Barnabas wanted to go on a second missionary journey across Asia. And so we can see that they went through Tarsus and then through Derby, Lystra, Iconium and Antioch in Galatia as the first part of that missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas wanted to go on a second missionary journey across Asia and had a disagreement about bringing John Mark with them who was Barnabas' sister's son and who had left the first missionary journey early due to the persecution that arose. Um, And some days after, in Acts 15 and verse 36, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of God, or so word of the Lord, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. As a result, Barnabas went off on his own with John Mark to Cyprus and Paul took Silas with him on his journey. Um, As it says, And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. 
And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. It's obvious that um, Luke went with uh, the Apostle Paul rather than Barnabas um, on his trip. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. So Timothy came from the province of Galatia. Um, so he was well versed. He, well, he knew the Galatians and the Galatian area very, very well. And Barnabas determined, uh, sorry, hang on. It was Jewish, uh, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Acts 14, 6, yep, states that Lystra and Derby were cities of Lycaonia, and Timothy becomes an important part of Paul's epistles. Acts um, 16 and 3, him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which are in these quarters. These Jews were a thorn in the side of the church. They wanted everything to be done according to the law. They wouldn't, rec- they wouldn't recognize, they, they would persecute anyone who was not doing everything that they should be doing under the law. This is the setting, this is the region of Galatia that the book of Galatians was written to. Um, Because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, then then, um, very quickly the Lord calls them um, to Macedonia and that's where the church in Philippi and many other churches were were formed as we uh, talked about when we looked at the book of Philippians. Then on the third missionary journey, once again, um, he goes through um, the region of Galatia. And when he had landed at Caesarea in, in Acts eighteen twenty-two, and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. Once again, that was his first stop. Um, makes sense because it's actually the closest place to go um, and he, he ended up going all the way around um, in a big loop in the second missionary journey and so in the third missionary journey that was the first stop of call, um, first port of call as well. Other references to Galatia in uh, the Bible, in the New Testament 1 Corinthians 16.1, now concerning the collection for the saints as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do you. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, 
Whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. So he was talking to the Corinthian church at this time, but he was saying, hey, I've already told the Galatians about this. I've already let them know what they need to do. They need to be supporting the work of God. So they were a church that was well grounded in the word of God. They, they had been visited three times by the Apostle Paul. They had had, had a lot of grounding. The elders had been grounded. The, the, they, they had, uh, they had um, steady, um, strong leadership in the church. And so this is the setting. This is the, the setting where the book of Galatians was written. And it is obvious, um, and it will be obvious as we go through uh, the book of Galatians, that um, the Jews that were such a thorn in Paul's side in his missionary journeys had not changed in any way, shape, or form. They were saying that these Gentiles, um, uh, the majority of, of, of the church uh, would have been Gentiles, um, especially because of the persecution of the Jews. Um, but they were trying to say, if you're going to follow God, you need to follow the law. You need to do these things. Paul was, was forced to, to circumcise Timothy according to the law simply because it, it was, it, it was, um, that it, there was just too much persecution from the Jews. Paul knew it didn't matter. Paul knew that he didn't need to be circumcised, but because he knew that otherwise there was going to be incredible resistance to the gospel, he, he, he said, okay, well, let, let's just do this and, and get it over and done with. And, but the Jews were a thorn in the side of the church. And so at one stage, Paul set out to write a letter, an epistle to them, to encourage them to stand strong and not listen to these uh, these Jews that would continually come against them. They would try to twist their, their understanding of the Scriptures. They would try to get them to believe something that God had already changed, had already replaced with something better. And so in the next lesson, we will go into the book of Galatians. We'll start with chapter 1 and verse 1. Um, anything else would be a bit surprising. Um, and we'll continue on and go through and look at the book of Galatians and what it meant to the church then and what it means to us now.